How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You are listening to Tongues Out Podcasts, and let's just jump right into it. Today, I want to talk about something uh, because very recently, um, my daughter had her uh, six-month vaccinations done, and so I want to talk about vaccines today. Um, first off, I just want to say it is so hard as a parent watching. So my daughter, she, she is... The best baby ever. Uh, When people were talking about like how difficult it's going to be to raise a newborn and how they cry a lot and you're not going to get that much sleep. I honestly, I've been super blessed because my daughter has, I mean, she rarely cries. When she does, it's it's really because she's letting us know because obviously she can't speak. She's letting us know she's hungry. And so she'll cry when when it's time to feed her. Uh, But I mean, since we have a routine anyways, that normally would never happen unless um, we're at like a doctor's appointment or something of that nature and it's cutting into her her time to eat. That's when she'll let us know to, that she's hungry and we always have uh, food with us at all times to be able to feed her. But man, it is, there's those rare moments when she cry cries, like how I would cry if I, you know, got hurt really bad. And it is so hard to watch as a parent. It it makes me want to cry watching her cry like that, but I know I can't because I need to be strong for her and I need to make her laugh and give her comfort in that very moment. And so one of the very few times I do see that is to when she gets her vaccines. And so if you've never had a newborn, generally the way it works is that your, your baby will get um, – different types of vaccines early on in life. And these are to prevent um, like whooping cough, like protection against hepatitis, tenderness, a lot of just things that we uh, are eventually required to have. If like, for instance, we want to go to grade school or anything of that nature. And unless you're like a religious, like you've gone to like a religious schooling, then I don't think they require our own, but um, we'll get into, we're going to get into why I'm talking about this in just a second, but, um, generally she has some easy ones done early on, like in her first few days of after being born. And then it kind of typically works like one month, two month, four months, six month. And I, I luckily for her, she won't have to have another one until 12, her 12th month or her first year. And so luckily I rarely have to see these moments because she rarely has ever done a cry like that. I think she, she probably did it once late at night. And I think she just had like some pretty bad gas. Um, but that was just one time. And even then it was, we were just so freaked out as parents. We thought something was going on and something was wrong. And, you know, this is our first, first baby girl or first baby. Um, and, um, you know, obviously we knew after going through some teachings early on while my wife was pregnant and just obviously doing research, we just, we landed on the fact that she just probably has some bad gas and that we just had to be patient and it would just do its course. Um, but yeah, it is so hard to watch. And so recently, you know, when she was getting her six month vaccine, I knew exactly what was going to, you know, what was going to happen at the end of the doctor's checkup. They were going to apply a vaccine and yeah, there, there she goes, a trooper. She takes three shots, two to one leg, one in the other, and then 
Um, she gets an oral vaccine, which it's kind of like in a sweet tasting fluid, but essentially it's kind of cool. I wish every vaccine could be given that way. I don't know why not, but essentially this vaccine is given orally. And then the other ones, I, I forget which vaccine I need to do uh, research. Um, exactly which vaccine is the one that's given orally, but um, you know, she gets one orally and then three, two to one leg and one on, on the other leg. And yeah, she bursts out crying, but she is so, she is so strong. She will cry like that really bad cry. That makes me just want to just cry as well. And I just pick her up and I, I, I caress her and I, I, you know, shake her up and down and I just like start to sing like a small little lullaby to her. And after about a minute, she just so strong. She's such a strong little girl. And she stops crying. She starts going back to just looking around and just wondering why I just did that to her. And eventually in the future, I'll be able to explain why I did that for her. It's because um, essentially the way it worked back in the day is that, or I mean, not back in the day, even now, really to develop immunity to any kind of disease, uh, your body has to be exposed to a virus. And Generally, we would expose ourselves to these viruses and eventually our body would fight, do its course and fight off the disease. Well, what a lot of people don't expect or don't understand is that your body is not a perfect system. If it was, I mean, you wouldn't see people dying from diseases left and right. And what I mean by it's not a perfect system, it is a very great system when it comes to fighting disease. I mean, your body is constantly fighting off bacteria and viruses every single day. And I mean, you generally just don't show symptoms and eventually just one lucky virus gets into a cell and starts to multiply. And the way your body is so capable of, of combating these diseases is that essentially there's multiple layers of defenses. So essentially your first layer of defense is your skin. Your skin is not absorbent in a way for like viral diseases, it's absorbent for certain things, but not for like bacteria or viruses. So if you break your skin, then of course it can enter your bloodstream. Once a disease enters your bloodstream, there's um, a lot of people think that it's white blood cells, literally white blood cells. There's about like 25 or there's like 150 different components to your immune system. It is so fascinating and it is so complex to even go through. But essentially everything down to um, hydration, fluid and and um, there's there's these different cells within uh that flow naturally through your immune system. And what people don't understand is that your immune system has no way of communicating with itself. The only way it communicates is by releasing proteins pretty much through your bloodstream. And these proteins essentially will bind to other uh, innate immune, immune cells in your body. And then it activates them. It tells them, okay, there's a danger. And then it locates exactly depending on where that protein was coming from it, that those Immune cells will essentially go and fight that disease uh, and they'll, they'll be able to locate it. And they kind of essentially what they do is they, as they're making their way to where they think the disease is, they're constantly checking your cells, your red blood cells and other different cells inside your body um, to verify that, that they're not infected. And if they are, they'll force kill your cells. And it's completely fine because you produce billions of cells every minute. And so, you know, your cells have the capacity of destroying themselves if they need to, or your immune system has the capacity of destroying these cells as well. Well, essentially, sometimes 
Oh, and in the, in the course of fighting this battle, eventually what your body does is there are certain, uh, I think there are macrophages, I think. Uh, well, no, macrophages are the ones are that like literally eat the infected uh, infected germ or, or the virus itself. And they're like these big, they're just big Pac-Man inside of you. They're not big, but they're like essentially like a little Pac-Man. When they find the thing that they need to eat, they just engulf it completely and eat it. And I forget what it is, but there's a... Uh, immune cell that essentially what it does is it takes scraps from leftovers after the macrophages have destroyed. I'm really simplifying this. It's a lot more complex than this, but essentially there's, there's a immune cell that takes bits and pieces of the traced leftovers from destroying these germs or viruses. And then it takes it to one of your local lymph nodes and inside one of those lymph nodes are T cells. And, um, these T cells essentially, um, it's comparing, it's comparing these um, these pieces of, of the disease to memory T cells, and essentially, uh, what it's looking for is to see that if the body has already fought this this kind of disease before. If it has, well, essentially, what will do what will happen is eventually you'll find the right memory T cell, and then when it does, it'll activate that T cell, and that T cell will immediately start to replicate itself and start to release antibodies specifically that will. They'll bind to that specific disease, making it easier for your immune system to not only locate, but also eat the disease as well, and also stop the disease from also infecting other cells. And so uh, that's, I think, what takes, excuse me, I think what takes these pieces to the lymph nodes are our T cells. Like, they're not memory T cells, they're just regular T cells. So essentially, these T cells will... Um, will be assisting in the battle and and... Um, they'll be taking, I, I believe this is how it goes. They'll take these cells, take it to the lymph nodes, find a memory T cell. And then essentially if it never had an immunity to this before, or if it's never had a component of this or a memory T cell, it will essentially, um, this T cell will eventually split off and it'll replicate into a nut, like more T cells that will eventually create more antibodies. And then it'll also replicate into memory T cells. And these memory T cells will essentially just, they won't fight, but they'll just go into your lymph nodes and just sit there dormant until your body runs into this disease again. And it's these memory T cells are what vaccines are are essentially um, how vaccines work. So essentially what happens is that when you get a vaccine, most of the time what you're doing is you're taking a weakened strain of a virus that you're trying to become immune to, but a virus that is so weakened that it's not it's incapable of infecting you and... Essentially, your immune system will go through its normal course and start fighting off this disease. It's not really going to fight back, but it's going to fight it off in such a way that when it does, um, and then these vaccines have to be manufactured in such a way that the disease can't just be killed immediately. It has to have a capacity where it kind of gives a small little battle to your immune system because if not, your immune system won't have to activate like your T cells or anything of that nature. And that's why sometimes certain uh, vaccines require you to get more than one uh, of it at different intervals in your life. So you can keep activating your, your immune system to keep targeting that disease because generally you'll just, the, the virus is just too weakened because it's too dangerous to, to let that kind of virus into your bloodstream. And so it's so weakened that your body just has to be, it has to be reminded of that disease every so often. And so this, this vaccine essentially is just, like I said, a weakened disease. Your body fights it off. Like I was describing before, and then eventually will create a memory T cell 
that will then go into a lymph node. And then if you ever do in your life ever get exposed to that virus that you, you have a vaccine to, you'll be immune to it. And the reason why we do this is because either A, that disease is just so dangerous that the likelihood of you being able to fight off that disease with your own immunity is nil. I mean, it's probably like one out of every hundred people. And if you're trying to gamble one out of every hundred people that you're going to be that one that's going to survive this disease, it's just not going to happen. It's a fallacy to think that you're going to be that one person that's going to survive it. Even if you've, if you have what you consider a great immune system and you've never been sick before, you know, these, every disease is very unique, every bacterial disease and every viral disease as well. And essentially what vaccines are doing are, um, when you vaccine enough people in society, you're giving society what's called herd immunity. And what that means is that for a disease to spread from one person to another, it needs to infect a person. And then that infected person needs to be able to transmit that disease to other people. Well, if that disease, when you're sick and you start to cough on people and other people have an immunity to that disease already, that disease doesn't have the ability to continue to replicate in time to, um, to infect another person before your body fights off that disease and kills it. And so if the disease can't move to the next person, then essentially it kind of dies. Your body, your body will fight it off and then it, it won't have the opportunity to infect anyone else. And so that's why, um, and herd immunity used to be something that just was gained from enough people being around you sick from the same disease. It's impossible for that disease to bounce off, to make its way to you because there's so many people around you that are already immune to it either have from already contracting the disease or being um, or getting a vaccine to it. And so uh, herd immunity is the most important thing. That's why they're, they're saying like for COVID-19, you know, until we get a vaccine, the only two ways to really fight this disease, three different ways to fight the disease, but one of them is super dangerous. And that is to contract the disease and hope your body can fight it off. But the thing about your immune system, and, and like I was saying at the beginning, it's not perfect. And so sometimes your immune system can overreact to a disease and your immune system overreacting can actually, like I was saying at the beginning, your immune system has the capacity to destroy cells. And if your immune system is overreacting to a disease and this disease um, and your immune system starts to just destroy healthy cells inside your body, it's going to create a lot of havoc. And that's what leads to a lot of deaths from some diseases that just generally wouldn't kill people. Um so you're gambling with that with COVID-19, for instance, because COVID-19 is like one of those diseases where it's just causing people's immune systems to just kind of go haywire and go like become too overreactive. And so, uh, or sometimes what it does is it weakens your body enough that it allows bacterial infections to just come in when your body's already kind of weakened. And it, the entire time it was fighting a viral disease, but your body, when it needs to fight a bacterial disease, needs to completely transition the type of antibodies that it uses and if your body has already kind of fought this hard battle with COVID-19, it makes it so much easier for just a, a bacterial disease that normally wouldn't kill you to just come in. And, and that's what pneumonia is, essentially. Pneumonia is a bacterial disease. And that's why some people will get bad pneumonia from COVID-19 because their body is just fighting off this virus so hard that eventually it's kind of uses up all its resources and then it can't really fight off this bacterial disease. Um, so that's step one. Step two is... You know, enough people do get the disease, and if they do, then eventually everyone, most people out there will, will gain some form of immunity to it. And then I think 
they're still doing studies on it, but I think most people will agree that if you've had COVID-19 already, a specific, like if you've had a strain of it, as long as that strain doesn't mutate into something else, you've essentially become Im- immune to that form of COVID-19. Um, any virus can mutate. That's obviously why we're not immune to like the common cold or, you know, the flu because they, they, they mutate and our body needs to pretty much reacquire it. But even then, once your body has fought off uh, a family of that virus, for every mutation that occurs, your body tends to not have to fight as hard because that mutation still has remnants of the older self of it. And your body's got parts that it can use pretty much to fight that disease. Maybe not perfectly, but it's not going to be no soldiers in battle pretty much. Um, And then the third thing is the vaccine, which... I would totally, I am pro vaccination. This whole idea that vaccines lead to autism is been disproven by multiple different scientists, multiple different studies. Even the guy that um, came out with a research paper claiming that vaccines cause autism came forward himself and claimed that and and stated that he pretty much lied. Um, And his study was pretty much not peer reviewed. And it was pretty much just a, a biased paper that he was writing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent pro vaccine. If, if most of these vaccines take years, maybe even a decade for them to go through thorough research, make sure that the vaccine doesn't have the possibility to replicate inside your body. It doesn't cause like lingering. Uh, it doesn't cause your body's immune system. Like I was saying before to overreact to it. And, and fight like your healthy cells inside your body. And so these things need to be tested thoroughly. And they also need to make sure that there's no remnant of the disease later on that your, will cause your immune system maybe not to become reactive at that point of time, but later on in the future, your body just starts to become, uh, go, it starts to go crazy. And some children are actually so- showing signs of this from contracting COVID-19 where they're getting like a weird... Um, it's called a Kawasaki disease, I believe, where they're showing like these weird, weird uh, overreactive immune systems weeks after having already, you know, cleared out COVID-19 out of their body. But it's that idea. So there's still weird things that can happen even after the fact, after your body can clear out these diseases. And, and this field is still being researched and, and we're still learning, obviously, you know, no form of science is perfect. You know, your social media and your, your cell phones, your computers, your cars, none of it is a perfect system. It's constantly being improved and we're learning more and more on how to make things more efficient or what causes certain problems with certain industries. And so you could use that same argument. I, I can't stand when people are like, you know, scientists get things wrong all the time. It's like, of course, that's the whole point of science is to there's never a finish point with, with anything. It's you keep testing and you keep applying new problems to something that a, a theory that's been going on for a while. And if it still holds true after every test you could throw at it, then, you know, you can assume that it's a, it's a law of science pretty much. And there's only a few of those and most, most everything else really is just theory. And so it's constantly being disproven as we become more intelligent and we find new and better ways to improve a technology. And I can't stand when people are always like, you know, you can't trust scientists because they're wrong all the time. It's like, of course they're wrong. I mean, that's the whole point of being a scientist is that your job is to never trust your your results. You're, you have to keep trying and trying and trying to disprove your results. 
as much as it's difficult to do that, you know, it's like putting your life work into something, hoping that you can, you know, that you're wrong. It's, it's just, it's a weird occupation to have. Most people don't, don't look at work that way. But if you're truly doing, a, um, if you're doing science the right way, that's the way you're supposed to be doing it. But so, yeah, so we're constantly learning about the immune system, how it's fighting off diseases, how we can improve vaccines. But honestly, I mean, I received every vaccine I needed um, that was required of me. I've taken even, you know, more vaccines nowadays, the flu vaccine, tetanus shots when I, or boosters when, you know, it's been 10 years and I cut myself on a blade. Or if you get into a car accident, I've been in a couple of those in the last five years and I had to get a booster pretty much because they just don't know if your tetanus shot was still valid. It's one of those things that your body needs to be reminded of, of that disease. So you need to get a booster every single time. And so a hundred percent pro vaccines. The only vaccine I will not do is the COVID-19 vaccine. And the only reason I'm not going to take that vaccine initially is if it rolls out next year, if they come out with a, a vaccine, I'm sorry, but other vaccines go through, like I said, years of rigorous studies and up to like a decade pretty much before they're released to the public in general. And the only reason people are rush, rushing this out is because, you know, we're afraid of the economic impact that COVID-19 is going to have on, on society and, and politicians. And, and there's a lot of pressure on pharmaceutical companies to get this right. And everyone knows that when you're under pressure, your systems just don't come out perfectly. Obviously, our test kits didn't come out perfectly when they first rolled out. And a lot of errors can happen when you rush, rush things. And so I will not take the initial COVID-19 test, not until, you know, people, millions of people are, are getting it done. Like if other people want to be lab rats and test it on themselves, by all means, you know, go for it. I'm completely fine isolating myself, maintaining social distance. I don't need to see my friends or family. They're, you know, no one's that important that I have to risk the lives of both myself, my wife or, or my daughter. You know, it, I, I have enough hobbies that allow me to just be able to, to be indoors. I make income from from being at home i have absolutely no reason to um ever risk our lives just so i can see people i've seen uh, a, pretty much a majority of, of my time anyways I, I could care less and so i also live in, in an area where i can get all my groceries delivered to me um and yeah you know my utilities if I, as long as i have electricity a roof over my head food and 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 um and my and my family, you know, I'm completely fine. I could stay isolated forever. Could care less. Um, but I know eventually enough people are going to either get infected by this or guinea pig themselves with this COVID nineteen vi- uh, vaccine. That eventually there will be herd immunity. And they say that seven out of ten people have to have some kind of immunity or a vaccine to a disease to really stop its spread from being so um, so chaotic, kind of like COVID nineteen is right now. And right, and I think statistically, only about three out of ten of uh, Americans have contracted COVID nineteen. So we still got a long ways to go um, before there's enough people out there that I can feel confident that you know I might not contract a disease because other people have already had it. Um, so until then, I'm I'm gonna hold off on that vaccine. I'm always gonna give every other vaccine, and I'm always gonna take every vaccine that's been tested. Um, because I've never had an issue personally. My brothers never had an issue. My parents have never had an issue. 
with autism. And I, and I know families out there that do have autistic kids, you know, it's unfortunate. Statistically, I think one out of five kids have autism and it's so sad. Um, there's some beauty and in, in, it's a difficult life always as a parent. And it's even more difficult with children that are autistic, but they are, um, they do have some amazing abilities, which, you know, I know a lot of parents are appreciate time management, their, their attentiveness to detail is so, so important for certain job fields that a lot of companies will actually employ, um, people that are, that have some form of autism pretty much because of the fact of just how skillful they are and how they don't allow a lot of things to really distract them and bother them. But there's millions of different forms of, of autism. But again, vaccines don't cause that. Uh, there still needs to be a lot of research done on that, but they've done so many studies with the correlations of people that have taken vaccines to people that have had vac- uh, autism. And it's just, it's, there's no correlation. It, it, you could change the frequency of how quick, how many vaccines you take. Like I, I'm not going to lie. The first time uh, at two months, when my daughter was two months old, she, uh, I was told that she was going to get four vaccines. She was going to, the oral one and the three, um, two to the leg, to one leg and one on the other leg. She was going to get that th- two more times after that. Not going to lie. I, 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 I'm going to promise everyone on this podcast. I will always be truthful to everyone. I was hesitant. You know, there was a voice in my head that was like, Jason, are you a hundred percent sure about all those studies, all that research that you've looked up? But I mean, there's those people still out there that claim that if you do this, you're increasing the chances of your daughter having some kind of detrimental health effect to her in the future. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I even asked the, the, my pediatrician, I was like, you know, can we space out the vaccines that we give to her? And she was like, we can, but if we do that, you're increasing, uh, you're, what you're causing is you're causing your daughter's immune system to be overreacting or to be reacting to each immune, like each disease over a longer course of period, that in itself is probably more dangerous than giving her different weakened strains of, of a disease all at once and having her immune system just take care of it all at that very moment. You know, does it mean that she might show some, some symptoms of, of being sick initially within the first three days? There's a possibility of course, but generally her body will fight it off pretty quickly. But I, I would prefer that than to give her something that keeps her immune system reacting all the time. It just doesn't seem right. Um, again, there's no, there's no studies that argue against doing it that way, but she also said that there was no studies for that. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go home and do my research. And of course, yeah, there is, of course, if you look hard enough, you're going to find information that validates your thoughts, but that's just, information bias and I, I'm never going to be a proponent of that and a lot of people fall into that especially with politics nowadays where they've just fallen into information bias they only go towards information that validates their their point or an, an idea or theory that they have and I'm sorry I'm never going to be that person I'm always going to challenge every idea and every point and so there was mountains of data for doing this and the amount of risk to her possibly catching this disease early on in her life just justified it. It was so easy for me to do it. And again, she gets the the treatments and every single time after a minute, she's great. She's perfect. She comes home, doesn't act different. Every time the pediatrician always tells us, 
you know, watch her for the next three days. If she shows any kind of symptoms of being sick, coughing, sneezing, sweating, diarrhea, vomiting, you know, let us know, you know, immediately. The cool thing about pediatricians is you can always get a, uh, every pediatrician has like an after hours line. If you have a good pediatrician, I think everyone does, but if, uh, I know our pediatrician. So even if they're not open, there's always a direct line you can call at any time at night and I get access to one of the pediatricians from that office that will answer any questions for us and let us know if we need to go to the emergency room or not. And so, um, but we've never had that issue. Knock on wood. You know, we've never had that, that problem. And so, yeah, now I'm going to keep giving my daughter her vaccines and protect her from, from these little, little monsters out there because, um, our, like I said, our immune system's not perfect. It is a damn great weapon for a lot of diseases out there, but it's not perfect. And so, you know, we got to we, sometimes just like our soldiers out, out in battle, you have to give them additional weapons to be able to fight the enemy that they're fighting. And so that's what medicine's for. And that's what, you know, vaccines are for are our tools to assist our immune system to eradicate diseases. And so, but I would love to hear your guys' uh, thoughts on this. You know, don't worry, I'm not going to be judgmental. I've I've brought this up plenty of times on social media. I've had a lot of people go back and forth with me, and we've had. Um, I, I will never see eye to eye with them, and and they've brought in uh, information. I feel like most of the time it's always opinionated pieces and and a lot of bias to it. But if anyone brings peer reviewed documents to me and they bring like studies to me that show other scientists have looked into this. By all means, I, I, I'm so open to that. You know, that's, I always want my, my perspective to be challenged. But uh, until then, I will catch you guys tomorrow. If you guys want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, where I post the links for this. Or you can email me at jason at tonguesoutpodcast.com. And I look forward to doing another one of these again, you know, every single day. That's a goal, 365 every day getting a podcast out. So I look forward to it. Thank you guys again for listening to me and I'll catch you guys manana. Peace.